sometimes I would get like anxious, overwhelmed if I feel like I have a lot of things to do. And then I would write it out and be like, it's like three things and it's not going to take me that long, <laughs> you know? So it's like, okay, my mind's being a little dramatic here. So like, whether it's just like you have a lot to do or more like extreme situations, I think definitely yeah, journaling and just trying to get out of your head is like a good first step, at least. Hello and welcome to Chom Chats. Here we talk about self-discovery and finding true happiness within. I'm Leanne, and today Matthew and I sat down to talk about anxiety, something we both have experience with and know that many people struggle with as well. We talked about how this meditation method helped us to address the source of our anxieties so that we could ultimately be free of them, and we offer some tips and ideas of what you can do to start managing and eliminating your anxiety as well. We hope you enjoy this episode of Trump Chats. Hello, Matthew. Hello. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? Pretty good. So what are we talking about today? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'm scared to say. <laughs> I'm having a little anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> yes, we're here today to talk about uh, something very near and dear to my heart. <laughs> I don't know about yours, but... Uh, anxiety. Yes. Yeah. Definitely something I have struggled with. <laughs> yes. I'm familiar. A lot of my family is familiar. Does anxiety run in your family? Uh, I mean, I don't know quite the extent of it. I know from just knowing it, yeah, my dad, I'm sure he has, like, anxiety and, you know, doesn't like, you know, that public speaking or a lot of the other stuff, so mm-hmm. it's kind of similar personality to me. So, yeah, I'm sure, yeah, he does. It's interesting because some amount of anxiety is totally normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I think public speaking is one of those things right. where it's pretty common, but maybe to a certain extent, I don't mm-hmm. know, like what your dad or right, right. <laughs> how you guys handle public speaking, but there's a normal amount of anxiety that most people feel in certain circumstances. And then there's the other end mm-hmm. of people like me. <laughs> um, sometimes actually, I might not be as bad as I think I am, but where it's just like an excessive amount for no good reason, basically. Right. Yeah. I think there's definitely like, there's like a normal reaction of anxiety to like, you know, doing something new or, you know, public speaking or whatever it is. But then I think when it's kind of persistent and ongoing and, you know, like having anxiety, like days up to doing something, then yeah, Mm. I think that's, yeah, something that I'd probably get to. I want to say good to look at, but <laughs> so like, you know, you know, seek ways, I think, to, to deal with that. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, especially if it's paralyzing from, mm-hmm. like, actually being able to do something or being able to enjoy doing something, mm-hmm. then it's a real problem. Yeah, when it really interrupts your daily life or mm-hmm. daily activities, yeah. So what is anxiety? <laughs> Let's start there. Well... According to my Google search, <laughs> my official Google search, it can be an intense, excessive, and persistent worry and fear about everyday situations, or a feeling of fear, dread, and uneasiness. Um, you said you had a definition or a good example of what it feels uh, like? It was more of like, I was thinking kind of my own experiences in dealing with anxiety, because mm-hmm. for me it was a lot of like social anxiety and like, you know, interacting with people. So for me, it's like, I was thinking about it, it's like anxiety almost feels like 
it's like you're in a room that's on fire, but you're the only one who could see the fire. And so it's like, in some sense for me, like, you know, especially with like social anxiety can feel kind of isolating because it's like, rooms on fire shouldn't, can we get out? (laughs) You know, (laughs) but it seems like everybody else is fine. But like, you know, so that's kind of what I thought of. I thought of two things when you said that. One is the meme with the dog in the house. Yes, yeah, I thought of that too, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then I just thought of a time when I was, I was with a group of friends and, um, we were like, I don't know, just hanging out and we were laughing, having a good time. And then like I was in the middle of laughing about something and then I started to have this like kind of felt like an out-of-body experience where I was on the outside looking in and whatever I was laughing at wasn't funny anymore. Like it just mm-hmm. felt very artificial and um, and I was still laughing, but in my head I was just like... <laughs> Why am I laughing? Like, I don't know. It was the weirdest feeling. It was, I just felt very disconnected from like what was happening. And I don't know. That was probably at the, somewhere around like the height of my anxiety and depression where I was just feeling like really disconnected from everyone and everything. And it just felt like I couldn't really be there. Like Mm -hmm. I couldn't really enjoy that moment. And then it wasn't funny anymore. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> and I don't know, maybe it wasn't funny at all to begin with. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was an odd sensation. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I definitely have moments like that where this might not be necessarily related to anxiety, but just kind of being around people or places. And I'm like, why am I here? Like, do I really want to be here? <laughs> yeah. Or is it just like something that I guess, you know, I guess kind of have an anxiety of like, you know, like missing out on things or feeling mm-hmm. left out. It's like kind of drove me to like, I think like, yeah, hang out with people or do things that I'm like, do I, eventually I was like, do I really want to be here? So, yeah. When you say, do you really want to be there? Did anxiety push you to be there when you didn't really want to be there? Or did anxiety make you want to leave even though you wanted to be there to be social, but you were too anxious about it? It's like sometimes could be a little bit of both, but. I guess it kind of be related to two different things. I think definitely the yeah, the second one of like, I like wanted to come here, but now that I'm here, it's like, <laughs> I kind of feel a little anxious or overwhelmed about it. So yeah, I definitely had a lot of that. Cause I think in my head, like used to kind of like picture myself being more outgoing or more social or more like whatever. But it's like when you're actually in the situations and it's maybe like an opportunity to do it, it's like, you're too, too anxious to actually like do it. <laughs> or it's a, yeah. I guess anxiety kind of, in a way, kind of keeps me from, like, being more, like, expressive and being myself because it's, like, again, with social anxiety, it's, like, always kind of, like, worried about, like, what people are thinking or judgments or stuff like that. So Yeah. yeah. I get that. So there's a book called Don't Feed the Monkey Mind. Let me make sure that's the title of the book before <laughs> Yes, it's called Don't Be the Monkey Mind. Like, what part of the podcast, what part are we cutting out? This is written by Jennifer Shannon, who is a therapist who specializes in treating anxiety disorders. Um, This book was recommended to me by a therapist that I had at one point, and it was a very good book. I do recommend it. It definitely helped me understand a lot more what was happening inside my brain and to my body on a physical level. And um, it made me feel a little better about how 
common, I guess, what I was experiencing was. Because mm-hmm. when you're feeling that, you kind of feel, like, isolated and, mm-hmm. like, I'm crazy and nobody understands. Right, right. <laughs> and then you read something and you're like, oh, wait, no, other people experience this too. Yeah, yeah. So, if, like, from our perspective, it seems like everybody else is totally fine. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So this not only made me feel a little bit more normal, but it also explained in a very logical way what was happening. So one thing that it said, and I'm going to... There's a lot of important information that I'm not going to read, because then at that point I'm just going to read you the entire book. But <laughs> <laughs> um, So in general, we cannot relax and be at peace unless we feel safe. So when there's a perception of a threat, what happens is the amygdala sets off uh, an alarm system that alerts the hypothalamus and the adrenal glands, which then send hormonal and neurological signals to the sympathetic nervous system, which is what makes your heart rate accelerate and your breathing and then um, stress hormones and shuts down digestion and other necessary functions, which she says... It's basically you're in survival mode at that mm-hmm. point. So that made a lot of sense to me because um, when I would get anxious, I, you, I couldn't focus on anything else. And eating is one of the things mm-hmm. that I could not do. That's like if somebody like broke into your house mm-hmm. and you're like hiding in a closet and trying to eat a burger at the same time, <laughs> which is not going to happen. Like, that's right, not right. on your list of priorities. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably not going to help you with your survival. <laughs> so, like, okay, that makes sense, like, what's yeah. happening to So, um, yeah, that's, that's, uh... Right. Yeah, it kind of sounds like it's essentially that, like, the flight or, uh, fight or flight, fight respo- or flight response, yes, you know. definitely. Yeah, but I think, like, obviously, like, you know, back when before... You know, like this, maybe like the Stone Age, or like you know, we didn't have all this technology. You know, that flight or fight was, you know, obviously important <laughs> to, right. to keep us alive. But like now, it's like we have so many comforts, and you no, know, we don't need to be in that survival mode twenty four seven. You know, uh, yeah. nowadays. But you know, the issue is that our brain still <laughs> makes, I think, like situations and maybe like everyday things or interactions or whatever. Like it kind of puts ourselves in that space. Yeah, similarly, she also talks about um, how we, genetically, we we sense um, social threats, too, mm-hmm. um, because I guess, like, back in the day, we, like, needed each other to survive. Like, we mm-hmm. had to stay in packs of people, right. and if you sensed that somebody didn't like you, or mm-hmm. that, like, you were being excluded from the group or whatever, the tribe... <laughs> then, like, you were at danger because people mm-hmm. weren't going to be there to protect you. Right. So, like, somewhere deep in our DNA, that's a fear we have, mm-hmm. um, which contributes to social anxiety and, like, being on a subconscious level or unconscious level, why we're afraid of not being accepted or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Makes sense. This is probably also why we get, like, certain vibes from certain people and we can kind of, like, mm-hmm. sense things even if we don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. We're all psychic. <laughs> um, and then the last thing I kind of want to say about this is um, when we're when our minds are being taken over by anxiety, we make two mistakes. And the first one is that we overestimate the threat because the actual odds of something horrible happening is very slim, usually, and you know unless something actually terrible is happening. Um, and then the second mistake 
is that we underestimate our ability to cope with the negative emotions that are associated with what's happening and with the threat should it actually occur. So if something does happen, we assume we're going to die. Right. <laughs> and that's it. Or that whatever negative emotions come up in the situation, we're not going to be able to handle it. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a big one for me, too. But. Yeah. Or, yeah, oftentimes when we're having anxiety, our minds tend to go to, like, worst-case scenario and just, like, it's usually never going to be that bad. <laughs> yeah. So do you want to share, like, some of your experience with anxiety? or? Sure. I mean... We kind of already touched on it. Like I said, like social anxiety was kind of, it's always a big thing for me. So just like sometimes just having like a normal conversation <laughs> with somebody was like very difficult for me. Mm-hmm. Um, like even like that, you know, whether if you ever have to do like group projects or, <laughs> you know, talk in front of people in class, stuff like that, like that was always like most like nerve wracking thing and yeah, just a lot of anxiety. And yeah, I think just generally like because I had a short allowance with like purpose and like I know what I want to do with my life. So it's like, just a lot of anxiety of like, what do I do with myself? <laughs> right. Or like if I decide to do something like, is this the right decision? So it's like a lot of like overthinking mm-hmm. about stuff. And yeah, yeah, I think a lot of that anxiety too with social anxiety is again, it's like always like thinking about like how other people are like perceiving me. Yeah. It was very paralyzing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and how about you? How was, what was your experience with like anxiety? I definitely have those kind of similar thoughts about, um, or had, about what people are thinking about. No, you know what? I still have them sometimes. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's not totally gone, but it is yeah. much better. <laughs> it was, yeah, definitely. It was a lot worse uh, before, but I still think about what other people think about me, mm-hmm. but I don't get anxious about it like I used to. Right. Like, yeah. No, most of my anxiety, though, it was always relationship uh, relationship involved. <laughs> It was always <laughs> revolved around relationship. It's particularly not actually the relationship. The idea of breaking up was mm. like a huge trigger for me. Right. I mean, yeah, it's probably a trigger for a lot of people. It's like yeah, having those hard conversations. Well, I took it a step further though. <laughs> <laughs> I think because from talking to people, not there is one friend who actually kind of she. I think she kind of experienced a similar thing, but not many other people fully understood like why I was freaking out so much. But um, it wasn't the breakup, although that gave me anxiety too, but it was the idea that one day we might break up mm-hmm. would scare. At one point, it was like there would reach a point where I guess the relationship was serious enough mm-hmm. where I knew it would hurt if we broke up. Right. And that idea freaked me out so much that mm-hmm. I was like, it was a weird domino effect of like, if I had any sort of doubt in my mind, then I'd be like, oh my God, I got to pull the plug. I can't let this go any further. <laughs> right. I'm going to hurt myself. I'm going to hurt mm-hmm. the other person. Mm-hmm. The longer I stay in this, the more it's going to hurt. And I cannot bear to deal with this. So I got to pull the trigger now. <laughs> Right, (laughs) (laughs) and I would do that I did it a few times I like preemptively broke up with someone Mm -hmm. just because I was having anxiety about it because I thought I thought anxiety meant that I had to take action Mm -hmm. like I thought it meant I thought I was having like crazy intuition or something like that (laughs) 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 but like "Mm, 
my intuition is telling me that this is going to go south, so I need mm-hmm. to pull the trigger now. But in reality, that wasn't really true. I mean, like, right. yes, they didn't work out, but right. not for that reason. Like, they just didn't work out. Right, right. Yeah, it sounds like it's basically we get that fear, right? Because that's like the base sort of emotion. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think we you know, kind of latched onto that idea. And then yeah, it's kind of hard sometimes not to go down that rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. And then when I felt that enough times in my life, I started to have anxiety about having anxiety. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was where she, this author that I just mentioned, whose name I now forget, Jennifer Shannon. Yeah, I think that was it. Um, <laughs> she made a good analogy. She said it's like an IV drip of fear. Mm-hmm. And I totally know what that felt like because at a point it was like, I used to compare it actually to um, as like a cloud that mm-hmm. would just follow me around. Right. Um, and it wasn't always raining, but it was there. Right. It was just waiting to pounce basically. Right. So I just, I just felt it like hovering over me everywhere I went. Mm-hmm. And it was like just a fear of when is it coming? Like, when am I going to feel it again? Right. You know? Yeah, I think I kind of had similar experiences like that. It just kind of made me think about. It. I was like, oh yeah, I was like I used to have anxiety about like not having anxiety. Like, <laughs> like I would feel like I feel like I should be anxious about something, but I'm not. So I got anxious about not being anxious. <laughs> so yeah, it's just like I don't know. That's something when you're kind of dealing with it for a long time, like you kind of it's like this is your mind's habit is like I should be feeling this way, but I'm not. <laughs> or that reminds me of guilt. Do you ever feel that about guilt? Like, I should feel guilty, but I don't. And now I feel guilty about not feeling guilty. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's kind of funny how our minds work sometimes. <laughs> like, if there's nothing there, it'll invent something. <laughs> yeah. Also, I remember, I like, having a lot of, like, panic attacks in college, too. Mm-hmm. Especially at the start of every like, school year, I think, because I didn't really like what I was doing. So I think it was kind of like routine of like, okay, here we go. <laughs> like after the break, it's like, all right, we're back into this. And it was yeah. just like freaking out. And then after like a week, I'd be like, all right, it's fine. But like, <laughs> yeah. I remember you saying that in the other one. You said it's like, oh, it's that time of the year again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, so yeah, we kind of touched on like, I guess our experience with anxiety and what it is. But I think, like, if we want to start, I guess, to kind of, like, overcome it or to start to, like, reduce it, like, it'd be helpful to, like, kind of have to know what our tri- what triggers are, right? So, you know, obviously, the triggers could be things like, kind of like we mentioned previously, it could be stuff like, you know, if we have, like, stressful events, whether that's just, you know, if it's, like, family stuff going on, stress at work, or those type of things. It could be, like, different social situations, um, especially for, you know, for myself, like, being more introverted, that was, like, a big trigger for me. Um, and then even, like, our past experiences, right? So, like, if we had some sort of, like, traumatic experience in our past that, like, triggered a lot of anxiety, then, like, every time we're kind of in a similar similar situation, mm-hmm. we're gonna that's going to end up coming up, too. Um, right. And so I think, like, yeah, I guess kind of first step in sort of managing it is being able to... Like, identify triggers for yourself. Yeah, I think my first relationship was, like, the core of everything, to be Mm -hmm. honest. Because, obviously, that was the first time I experienced going through an intense breakup. And this particular person was not a very good person. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And, and, you know what, I shouldn't even say that. But it didn't go that well, basically, (laughs) is what I'm trying to say. And um, it was kind of, like, traumatic, like, like, 
in the time that followed. So I think that definitely contributed to like mm -hmm. every time I was faced with a similar situation, I would kind of freak out. Right. Yeah, I think for me, a lot of it had to do with like, I think family and just like, kind of the way like even my parents were in their relationship, like, there's kind of like a lot of like yelling and stuff at home. So it's like, I think even growing up, it was kind of hard to feel like, almost felt like it was kind of like walking on eggshells, like it was kind of, I guess, hard to like kind of fully relax. Mm. Um, and then I think, you know, what I kind of realized now, um, <laughs> that I took me a while to realize that like, I think when I interact with people, it's like, I kind of see everybody as like, one of my parents like yelling or whatever. So it's like, I think everybody's going to react in that same way. Yeah. And so that for me, I think is a big, was a big source of, you know, anxiety and, you know, having conversations with people. Cause it's like, I feel like it's almost like at some point somebody's going to start yelling at you for who knows what reason. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was something for me that I realized eventually. So you have to be careful with how you react to being triggered by something. To refer again <laughs> to the to Miss Jennifer Shannon, um, I don't know how I can't. I'm not going to try and describe this picture in words, but basically, right. there's a cycle, and um, it starts with a perception of threat, which leads to you having anxiety, which leads to you finding a safety strategy. So, for example, if you have social anxiety and you go to a party but then you start to feel anxiety about being around people. So then you leave the party because you decide that this is not for me. I'm too anxious to do this. What you're telling your brain is that you, that it was right, that the party's dangerous. You're going to die if you stay here and you better leave now. And so you did it. And so now it's like, it's like adding another layer of confirmation of what you of what you thought originally versus if you had just gone to the party you would have realized that probably that <laughs> that there was nothing unsafe about the party you might have actually ended up having a good time who knows but the point is by not even experiencing it all you kind of you didn't give your brain a chance to overcome that fear i think is um maybe i'm not explaining that perfectly but i think that's kind of the idea and so, yeah, it's kind of like a, a vicious cycle. So I think it's good to challenge yourself, I'll say, right. for how far you're willing to stick something out before you let anxiety take the wheel and, and make you bail, mm -hmm. I think. I was say, I was like, yeah, it makes sense because it's like it's, it's our brain essentially kind of forming like that habit loop, mm -hmm. that pattern. So like you say, like, okay, this is bad. I should leave. And then like you say, we leave. And then that confirms it. Whereas, like, you know, if we want to change it, we have to sort of break that loop. Right, yeah. You know? And so that's where, you know, having ways to manage anxiety or to strategies you can go to to, like, maybe even step away from it for a moment and then come back to it instead of just, like, leaving, like, the situation completely. Mm -hmm. So I kind of help you to, you know, get through it. Yeah. What are some good ways, Matthew? <laughs> Tell us. How can we manage anxiety what are some go-to's maybe you had um well honestly i think for probably most of the time me dealing with anxiety i don't know if i really had good uh <laughs> strategies um, which is probably why i kept getting worse <laughs> um but once i started getting into more of like the self-help and that sort of stuff like um journaling was a big thing for me 
Mm. Um, so whatever, like I could, if I was feeling anxious, like I would try to just like write it out and kind of just like basically just get out of my head, you know? Um, and like usually when you start to write it out, it's like you can kind of try to look at it more objectively, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, cause like the anxiety in your head wants to make things seem like it's a way bigger deal than it is. And when you kind of write it out, you can kind of see, okay, like maybe like it's, it's not that bad. Right. Or sometimes I would get like anxious, overwhelmed if I feel like I have a lot of things to do. And then I would write it out and be like, it's like three things and it's not going to take me that long, (laughs) you know? So it's like, okay, my mind's being a little dramatic here. So like, whether it's just like you have a lot to do or more like extreme situations, I think definitely had journaling and just trying to get out of your head is like a good first step at least. Yeah. I never really journaled so much, but I did do, I did write poetry. <laughs> did you ever write poems before? Uh, no, I don't, no, I never really wrote poetry, but it was funny. Cause like I used to write in my journal and I would like bring it with me to like therapy. And like mm-hmm. my therapist was like, Oh, it's like, you have like a way of writing. <laughs> that seems mm-hmm. like almost like a little like rhythmical or whatever. And I was like, okay, I guess that's <laughs> yeah. some talent I have apparently, but yeah. I used to write, I used to write poems. And um, I found the, I found some of them not too long ago because mm-hmm. they're all on my phone, and uh, it's so funny. <laughs> it's, it's like embarrassing, right? But it, now that I'm like not there, it's right. really funny to read because it's right. like I was so dramatic yeah. <laughs> about whatever. It's uh, yeah. good, yeah. Um, and then some of them I was like, oh, that was kind of good, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> But it's sad that it had to come from a dark place, though. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of artists. Mm-hmm. It's like, I can't create when I'm... That's not true. But I always felt like I had a, a block if I was in a good place, which is kind of sad. Right, right. Yeah, I think that's... Well, I think that's why, too, probably a lot of creative people, like they... A lot of people who, like, maybe suffer or are dealing with anxiety or depression or whatever, is like they kind of turn to like you said art whether that's music or mm-hmm. writing or whatever because it's, it's a way to, i think to express it and yeah and not not keep it inside mm-hmm. it's like bittersweet i guess because yeah. it's like beautiful art and then so much sadness behind it yeah. <laughs> but for me exercise helped although it, i'll say it was kind of hard to get into a routine of exercising mm-hmm. while i was depressed and anxious because you need some kind of motivation to do right, that right right <laughs> But I do remember, like, one time I I was anxious, and I was on the treadmill for, like, 40 minutes. Mm. I never ran that long in my life. <laughs> right. But something about moving, I think I mentioned this before, too. I used to go on a lot of walks. Mm. Um, something about just moving my body helps alleviate mm-hmm. anxiety. I just remembered, I, used, I did jumping jacks at work before. Because I used to be, uh, I used to work at Olive Garden. But anyway, so there's mm-hmm. some downtime as we were just waiting for people to come in. Right, right. And I was anxious for whatever reason. I started doing jumping jacks in the middle of the lobby. <laughs> <laughs> people were like, what are you doing? Yeah. It's like, I got to move. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that's a good, like, just like exercise or just doesn't have to be like, you know, a structured workout, just movement in general mm-hmm. is good. Because like, I think when we get anxious, also like our bodies tend to like tense up or you know, for me, sometimes I get like a tight feeling in my chest or throat or something like so sometimes just moving, you know, going for a walk or, you know, if you're someone who, you know, likes to dance, like just put on some music and just move like it kind of helps to, I think, yeah, sort of like break up that, I think that stiffness that we have in our body. Mm-hmm. And 
Yeah, I think, yeah, I just keep coming back to this idea of, like, getting out of your head. And I think, yeah, movement mm. is one of the best ways for that. Because I also went on a lot of, like, walks and stuff. And, you know, yeah, just getting some fresh air usually helps a little. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Practicing breathing is always good to, like, slow your heart rate back down to normal, I guess. I've read that it's also good to make sure that you get a lot of rest at night, get a good night's sleep. Mm-hmm. And uh, caffeine. Come back in the caffeine, man. <laughs> 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 no, I'm a hypocrite. I drink, I drink a lot of coffee. But, um, but not at the peak of my anxiety. I stopped drinking caffeine because that was just like, I was going to have a heart attack. My heart was already going right, fast. Right. So. Um, now I'm in a place where I can drink. <laughs> it's probably not a good thing, but I've taken advantage of my good state of mind and started drinking a lot of <laughs> espresso again. <laughs> Enjoy coffee again. <laughs> yeah. But I think, yeah, if you're experiencing a lot of anxiety, definitely cut back on, on the coffee. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and well, not just coffee, but caffeine in general. Um, oh, I hope it's okay to talk about this. I'm only saying this because... Some people have asked me, like, if I recommend it or, you know, what I was on. So I was on Lexapro, which is actually really funny how easy it was Mm -hmm. to be prescribed that. So what happened was I was having anxiety. So I went to the doctor. I told him I was very anxious. And he said, here's some Lexapro. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, there's little to no questions asked. Mm -hmm. And and then he's like, we'll follow up in a month or two or something like that. And then I go back and he said, how are you feeling? Are you still anxious? And I said, yeah, I'm still a little anxious. And he said, okay, let me double it. (laughs) So I went from 10 milligrams to 20 milligrams. And at that, from that point on, I was on that for a while. And I will say it did help. It helped me from bouncing off the walls, (laughs) basically. (laughs) So the way I kind of described it was that I was used to feeling a lot of highs and lows before it, and this kind of balanced me out. Um, it kind of kept my the heights of anxiety in check, I think, so I started to feel a little more normal, like a normal scale anxiety instead of like, this is the worst thing ever kind of feeling. But what it didn't do was it didn't get to the root of what was happening to me, like why I was being tr- triggered by anxiety. So it almost kind of let me tolerate it for longer but an analogy that somebody gave me once when i was struggling with like do i want to take these do i not want to take these um somebody said that if you're drowning and somebody throws you a floaty take the floaty like right right now like you can't learn how to swim in this moment Mm -hmm. but eventually you're going to want to learn how to swim that's probably the better option but it's okay to take the floaty, right? You know, like right. in your in this dangerous situation. So I don't. I think if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't have um, been in a place where I was ready to accept other forms of help. Right. And so I was on it, and then I went off of it because I stupidly. <laughs> it's so stupid. I'm going to tell you the reason why I stopped taking it. <laughs> so I I was taking it because. Of a relationship. <laughs> I was taking it because I was having doubts about a relationship and it was making me anxious. So flash forward, I wasn't in that relationship anymore. I was in a new relationship where I was much happier. And I was like, oh, 
That relationship was the problem. That's why I was so anxious. So then I stopped taking them. And then I started getting anxious again. (laughs) And then that's when I realized it's not the external. (laughs) What's going on here is much deeper than what I thought it was. And um, I did get back on them. And then flash forward again after I started meditating and I started really starting to understand what was happening like in my mind and why I was being triggered and actually being able to start getting rid of it. That's when I eventually did make the decision to get off of them again because I had confidence this time around that Mm -hmm. I didn't, um, I wasn't relying on any external factors basically. Like like you would be okay with that. Yeah. And uh, going strong. It's been, uh, I don't know how long exactly. I feel like it might be under a year, but I think we're getting close to a year, mm-hmm. probably. Um, and I would have done it sooner, but I had to do it the right way because there's side effects if you're like, you just drop just, it. Yeah, yeah. You shouldn't just stop. So, yeah. And I, I'm pretty confident that I'll never have to take them again. So, that's my two cents on meds. I think um, if you're in a really bad spot and you think it's going to help you survive, go for it um but i i strongly encourage to still get to the source and the root of of what's actually happening and we can get into that yeah yeah i would say like um i am personally i didn't get to the point where i need medication i think if i didn't start doing like therapy and eventually meditation like i probably would have ended up there and i think you know yeah, obviously there's like a stigma around like mental health and therapy and medication and stuff. But yeah, I think if you're someone who like needs it, like I think it can really, it's something that can, like you said, help get you out of the extremes. At mm-hmm. least get you to a place where you can start working on it. Um, I mean, whether that's through like therapy or meditation. Um, but yeah, I think just knowing that, like you said, like you, we eventually have to address the actual root of it, right? Like what's yeah. going on inside our, inside our minds. Mm-hmm. Um, to be like ultimately free from it. Um, yeah, along the way, there's yeah nothing wrong with <laughs> getting a little help from you know different things to get you there. Yeah, yeah. Because when I started to really understand this method, I realized that, and this is fresh in my mind because I was just editing the, the episode where I interviewed you. But you said something like um, Claire told you that in this meditation method, like we're getting rid of the self. So mm-hmm. you don't really need self-help books at, at a certain point because there, there's no self anymore. Right, <laughs> so right. like, uh, it was the same thing with anxiety and, and medication in my mind was that there was nothing anymore to be triggered. Basically mm-hmm. like the less mind I have, the less mind that can be triggered. So I don't really need something to manage my anxiety because I have nothing to be anxious about anymore. Right, right. So that's why I was able to confidently walk away from it and I knew that I wouldn't have to go back because that's not to say I'm 100% there yet. Right, Like I still have some mind and some triggers, but I know for sure that I have the tools now to be able to handle it and um, to eventually break free from it. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's way out this whole meditation is about is really getting to the root, you know, mm-hmm. of our minds and stuff. So it's like, it's like medication and even for me, I even found like therapy is like all ways to like sort of help manage the, the symptoms. But it's like when you kind of get rid of the problems and you have less symptoms, so you don't, you know, you, don't, yeah. you need less things to manage it. And when you have a tool that, you know, that 
confidently know that like it works, then you can kind of, it's something you can keep coming back to. And, you know, over time, like it's just gotten like less and less. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a blessing. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't sound like a blessing. (laughs) It's a blessing. It is. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, mom. Basically, basically, I think it all starts with, you know, self-awareness, you know, so it's like, like we said before, just like being aware of like, what's triggering it and what your usual response is and, you know, um, yeah, just finding ways to break that pattern and, you know, kind of doing the, um, I guess for lack of a better word, the, the inner work of like, kind of releasing it and letting mm-hmm. it go. Um, yeah. And it takes time to, takes time and a lot of repetition <laughs> to keep uh, yeah. getting rid of it to keep you know just because you know if you break the pattern once it doesn't mean it's not going to come up again right like yeah. it's every time it comes up it you know takes a lot of effort and also requires a lot of patience with yourself too you know mm-hmm. um so yeah i think being hard on yourself while trying to <laughs> overcome that is not a good idea but idea so you know it's kind of like hold yourself accountable but also you know give yourself a break too because it's it takes time and it's not easy yeah it's interesting that we like we really really want to know, or at least for me, you know, maybe nobody else is like this, but like we want to understand like why it's happening or where mm. is it coming from, which part of my childhood, <laughs> right. what age was I when I formed this habit, like right. um, as if that's gonna make it go away. Mm. And um, I don't know if anybody else is like that, but I was very fascinated with that for a while, um, and I think it was because it, it made me feel a little bit like. I guess, validated for mm-hmm. why I was feeling what I was feeling. And um, so it was kind of like a little enlightening, like, oh, wow, that's that's mm-hmm. where that came from. Okay, now I understand. Um, but then it got to a point where I was like, I don't care anymore. Like, I don't care where it came from. I just want it to be gone. Right, like, right. yeah. <laughs> like, that's great, you know. I'm so glad that that's where, that's where it started. But, like, now what? And that was something that was very frustrating to me when it came to therapy. Um, and maybe, I, I don't know, maybe I just didn't stick it out long enough to, to really find out what their plans were to help me overcome that. But um, but I think I straight up asked him one day. Like, he was like, <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to really say on here exactly what it was, but um, he was like, oh, you know, it sounds like it probably came from this kind of thing. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I know that already. Like, because this was a a new therapist, like. Right, right, right. So, and I was like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, I know I had this and that. You know, it's probably stemmed from this. I was like, now what? Like, how do I? And he goes, well, um, so you have to, like, start to recognize that it's, it's not the same situation. Like, when you were a kid, it was this. And this is similar, but it's not the same. So you have to, like, dissociate, I guess. But I was like, How? (laughs) (laughs) like that my brain under my brain understands fully what you're saying right now right my body does not (laughs) right right. my nervous system does not right so that was just like what am i doing like why Mm -hmm. like it yes it helped me to like alleviate by talking like alleviate some stress and like just being able to get it out and talk to somebody Mm -hmm. um and that's a good thing but for me i was just like but now what 
you know, how do we move on from this? And, um, and then I found this place <laughs> and I finally got that <laughs> yeah. answer. I really didn't think there was an answer for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I thought life was just meant to suck <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. Yeah. Sure. I think we're all in that same place as like, I think at the end, was into like the self-help or even like spiritual. I was like, we all understand everything, but it's you have the how part is <laughs> usually what's missing. And yeah, I mean, same thing that you know, this, this meditation is really what gave the how, mm-hmm. um, which is what, so that was the appeal to it. Right. Cause like yeah. I already, I already knew what I needed to know. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, that's why we've been doing it <laughs> for so long. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's the missing puzzle piece, as Claire said. Yes. 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 Yeah. I always say. I'm looking for that piece. <laughs> Many years. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Comes back to what we've mentioned before: is that knowing versus becoming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Like, I really love this quote here, but it's kind of random right now at this point. But on the kind of like going back to feeling anxiety about things. One thing that I would always feel like, whether or not something was supposed to be a certain way, like I was supposed to, like, am I supposed to be in the situation? When it came to decision-making, basically, I just couldn't make a decision ever because I was afraid of making the wrong one. And in reality, it doesn't really matter. Right. (laughs) Something I, like, I realized was you can't really do it wrong. In other words, however it unfolds is is how it unfolded. <laughs> Does that make any sense? Yeah. Um, it's like how it is, it's how it's meant to be. Yeah. And I remember hearing this quote, and I don't know who said it, but they said, um, I know it was supposed to I know it was supposed to happen because it did. And mm. I always like thought that was cool. It was just like acceptance for what is. And ultimately, I mean everybody says this, but it's like, oh, I wouldn't be where I am today mm-hmm. if it wasn't for this, that, and the other thing that right. happened. So I know that uh, I have become very, very grateful for anxiety because anxiety is a very mm-hmm. big driving thing for me to act because I cannot sit comfortably feeling that way. So if it wasn't for that, I probably wouldn't be here. Right. Yeah, I think... Yeah, anxiety, and sometimes when we're at our lowest points, it ends up being our motivation to kind of seek something better. And I feel like, yeah, I mean, kind of feel exactly the same way you do, where it's like, if I hadn't gone through that, then, you know, if I just, you know, went to school, I'm like, okay, my life's happy. And like, I feel like, you know, if I just felt like, okay, like, life would have been like, it's fine. Like, that would have been the best (laughs) it's gotten. But I feel like because I went through that and kind of started searching, searching for like answers and, something to like deal with what I was going through to help me, I think, find like a, a deeper connection and more happiness than I would have found otherwise. Yes. Yeah, definitely. It makes me kind of think also of, um, when you see somebody else suffering, <clears throat> thing I remember hearing was, um, don't take away somebody's opportunity to hit their own rock bottom, mm-hmm. basically. Cause it's like, we want to like help people which is a good thing and obviously there's a balance but sometimes it's okay to Mm kind of let them figure that out because 
it's going to take them hitting that for them to be like, oh, I got to do something different, mm -hmm. you know? Right. Yeah, because, I mean, we change when we want to change now. When yeah, exactly. <laughs> as much as we want to help somebody, like, they have to want to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, like, you know, letting somebody hit rock bottom doesn't mean you totally <laughs> ignore yeah, them and, yeah. like, cut them out. Like, you still be there for them. And then, you know, when they're ready and they want help, like, mm -hmm. you know, that's then the opportunity to come in and, yeah. you know. <laughs> Is that it? I guess that's it. <laughs> I uh, hope you gained something <laughs> from this. Have a great night. <laughs> you too. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to Chom Chats. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to leave a review and follow us on social media. All of the links are in the description. And if you're interested in trying this meditation method yourself, you can visit onlinemeditationevents.com for online classes and to be connected to a center near you. Make sure you tune into our next episode, which will feature a new host, CJ, who is another fantastic helper who sat down with seasoned meditator Lynn to discuss women's health and aging. You definitely don't want to miss it. See you next time.